All righty. Welcome. Are you escorting the kids back to their classrooms, Mason? All right. Cool. You guys are going to have fun. Well, bye, honey. Two days or two times in a row today that they get to go to class. That's awesome, isn't it? They've had a great week of VBS and our last three days at least. But awesome. Um, Eric is handing out some paperwork that you're going to need. And if you didn't, you should have last week's if you weren't here. You should have this week's plus an extra paper. Okay? So if you don't have week two and the extra paper in front of you, then you need to raise your hand and Eric will make sure that you get that. I just want to do, um, well, before we get started, let's pray. Don't you think that would be smart? I think that would be smart. Father, we just take a deep breath, breathe you in, Father. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that your word is quick, powerful, sharp. Thank you that by your Holy Spirit, Father, along with your word, you're revealing to us. We believe tonight that, Father, with information, we'll have revelation, which will bring transformation to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you, if you don't have week one there, I'm just going to review just a couple of things that um, last week um, that as I was studying, the Lord just really um, dropped into my spirit, and I need to make a correction. I kept, I kept saying this word, and I was like, that's not the right word. Why doesn't it fit? I kept saying generational. It's generate, generate, okay? So we were talking last week about how that um, God has put in all of us gifts. I don't care who you are. You have a gift on the inside of you. That, that's, just, it, that's just, your, that's in your DNA. Okay, let's, let's say it that way. It's in your DNA. You can't look and go, uh, excuse me, God, uh, you missed me. You, looked, you overlooked me. You know, that's, that's just not, that's, it, it's just not possible. So we talked about also the difference between the spirit and the flesh. Remember that? How we talked about that we that we that before we're born again we are still operating in our gift in our gifting but it's an unregenerate gift okay so we talked about that in the beginning God what God created so generate to generate means that and I don't know if I have that on here somewhere. To generate means is that he is, means that, okay, like big time gardener this year, I planted seeds, I planted um, many seeds, and when they generated, they came to life, okay? So God planted a seed within man. He said, let us make man after our image, after our likeness, and so he created man. And so in that man, there was nothing missing, nothing broken. Okay? Nothing was missing in man. 
He was a whole man, spirit, soul, and body. Whole man. And then what happened in chapter 3? We had the fall. We had disobedience. We had rebellion. And so what happened when there's disobedience and rebellion? We're separated from God. Death happened. Okay? Now, they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. So they were separated from God. So now we became un... I could remember where those notes are. Uh, over here they are. Un... It should be unregenerated. This should be regenerated. No. No. Right. Okay. Unregenerated. So this one here, man, God's gifts were still in man, but they're dead. And now it becomes very selfish. Very selfish. Now everything that I do is self-motivated. It's not spirit-motivated. It's not God-motivated. It's self-motivated. You know, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. Okay, so we become very selfish in an unregenerated form. And that's where all of us were before we, be, before we accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, before we said yes to Christ. We were in this unregenerated. And again, if you look at Romans chapter 7, it talks all about that. Paul says, the things that I want to do, I, I don't do, but the things that I don't want to do are the very things that I do. Oh, wicked man that I am, who's going to save me? And then he goes down, on, down into Romans chapter 8, and he says, but thanks be to God, you know, that therefore is there no, there's therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who follow after the Spirit and not after the flesh. So whenever we are regenerated, and again, we use red, because it's only by the blood of Jesus that we're regenerated. So now we have regeneration or rege regenerated. Now our spirit man is alive again. And all of those gifts that are on the inside of us, they're going, oh, we're, we're awake again. You know, now we can, do, we can function the way that God created us to function and, and, and serve in the way that God created us to serve. Now, the problem that we have is, is that this is our spirit. We're regenerated. But we still have a soul that we deal with. And that thing is being constantly renewed. That thing is constantly being transformed. That will happen until the day that you either die or Jesus returns. Your soul. Your soul is never, ever, ever, ever. That is, that's the flesh of us, okay? I mean, I realize our body is the flesh, but the soul is the flesh part of us that's, that, that it's selfish. It still wants its own way. And so Paul talks about over and over again about renewing our minds, renewing our minds with the word of God to renew our minds. He talks about putting down the old man, which is the old flesh, and allowing the new man 
the spirit man to come alive and to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. He says that over and over and over again. If you read Colossians, if you read Ephesians, over and over again, Paul's constantly talking about, listen, put down the old, pick up the new. Put down the old, pick up the new. Put down the old, pick up the new. And until the day you die, you will constantly be dealing with this. So don't be discouraged. You're going to overcome. We shall overcome, okay? Because, listen, greater is he that's in you, Jesus, than anything that's in this world. There have been things that I dealt with that, I, that as I kept renewing my mind to this, renewing my mind to this, and finding scriptures of whatever it was I was dealing with, and just kept saying over and over and over, and just kept, you know, we talk about meditating on the word. To meditate means to, that you, that you maul it over. It's like, it's like a cow regurgitating its food and chewing its cud. Okay, so it just chews on it over and over and over again. So you take scripture. You know, if, if, I'm, if I'm dealing with selfishness, I, I look at the scripture that talks about love, that says that love is not selfish. But love, and love is not boastful. But love is kind. Love is gentle. And whenever I look at the gifts of the Spirit, I see there that love is, that the fruit of the Spirit, when I look at the fruit of the Spirit, I'm sorry, when I look at the fruit of the Spirit, I see that love is, love is joy, love is peace, love is kind, gentle, meekness. You know, so as I start meditating on those things, I start thinking, okay, when, when selfishness wants to rise up, I start thinking and meditating, no, wait a minute, the love of God has been shed in my, abroad in my heart. What does that mean? It means that I have God's love in me. If I have God's love in me, that means I'm going to operate the way that God would operate. That means I'm going to love. That means I'm going to act. That means I'm going to serve. That means, okay, so if I have God's love in me, that means that, so see what I'm doing? I'm renewing my mind. I'm thinking on, I'm pondering, I'm meditating on what God's word has to say about the situation. Okay? So, again, generate, unregenerated, and regenerated. So if we're born again, this is where we are right now. But there's still, you know, we can fluctuate. Not that we're not born again and we go back to an unregenerate. But in our soul, we, we bounce back and forth right here. Your spirit man does not. Okay? When you said yes to Jesus, your spirit man is made alive. You are one with him. Now what we deal with, and this is where, this is where our struggle happens, and this is where a lot of people give up, the Christians give up, and they just live, just let life come what may. They live, they live right here. They don't try to come here in their, in their soul. They just live right here. And so they bounce back and forth. And it's what I called, and it's what I did for many years, the roller coaster ride. You're up one day, you're down the next. You're up one day, you're down the next. You're up one day, you're down. I hate roller coasters. Hate them with a passion. Won't ride them unless it's just up and down. But And then not too. I mean, we went on the dune, bug, dune rides the other day. And there was one part of that. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, and I've got my head buried in, in pastor's arm, you know, because I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going to flip over here, you know. But so, yeah, but, you know, but so in our lives, if we don't come to know and understand who we are in Christ Jesus and that we are secure in him and secure in his love and that he loves us with a passion and he loves us with a grace that nobody else can love us like. Only he can love us like that. 
If we don't come to understand that, then we're going to constantly be going up and down, up and down, up and down. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, because it shifts. They're constantly shifting. Yeah. But God's word is always stable. And listen, the righteousness that he's called you with is always stable. And the justification that he's justified you with is all, it never changes. That's his love. It ne that's a good, that is a good analogy, Lillian. Oh, our flesh is never stable. Oh, never, 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 never. But, you know, the good news is, is that you can renew your mind and you become stronger in, in areas of our lives. And so as we talk about, um, as we talk about our gift and our giftings and we talk about how God has gifted us, we begin to learn about those things and we begin to discover who we are. You know, I am, I am not the same person as Pastor is. I'm not the same person as Tina. We're, all of us, in, there's nobody in here that's the same. Nobody in here that's the same. And if we walk in here and we start judging and say, well, I don't know why they're not like me. After all, I walk after Christ and I follow after Christ. I pray four hours a day. I fast three days a week. I come to church. I give my tithes. I give my offerings. Why isn't everybody else like me? Well, because we're all different. Not that we all shouldn't give our tithes and offerings. Not that we all shouldn't pray. But listen, we all have different giftings. We all have different things that we bring to the table because that's what God put into us because he knew. What did he say? And let's look at our scripture for for these for these um for these classes, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. says, For because of him, the whole body, the church, in all of its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and the ligaments with, with which it is supplied, when each part, with power adapted to its need, is working properly in all its functions, grows to full maturity, building itself up in love so see no part in there did it say that we're all the same there's not one word in there that says that we're all created the same now we're all the same in christ jesus but again he's put different gifts and so i've illustrated that tonight with these different gift bags you know women will recognize these guys are going oh there look there's a yellow bag blue bag you know orange bag but women recognize these are what ladies Gift bags. And so what comes in a gift bag? Gifts. So we're, we're, we're saying tonight that in these, that as the body of Christ, these are gifts. And that in those gifts, there are certain characteristics. There are certain things that are going to pop out. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of, okay, let's think, look at it this way. Baby dolls. Okay. Your granddaughter says, or child your daughter says, I want a baby doll for Christmas. Okay, go to the store. What kind of baby doll does she want? I don't know. She just said, I want a baby doll. Does she want, want one that cries, one that talks, one that eats, one that pees, one that poos, one that walks, one that crawls? So, see, they all do. They all function. Even though it's a baby doll, they all function differently. It's a gift, but they each function differently. Okay? Does that help? All right, so last week we talked about, um, 
we went over last week some of the gifts. Um, and again, uh, Chuck and Carrie did a great job last week talking about, or last four classes or several classes, talking about um, the gifts of the Spirit and how to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. And we're going to kind of rehearse a little bit of those tonight too. We talked about last week about we brought in a cake and we had all the ingredients. Remember that? And we talked about how which one of those ingredients are you going to leave out? You, you can't leave any of them out. It's called a chocolate, chocolate espresso double cake, double layer cake. Well, somebody said leave out the chocolate. Then it's not a chocolate espresso double layer cake. Leave out the coffee. Leave out the espresso. Then it's not an espresso cake. So, so it's, 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 it is what it's named, and you have to have every ingredient to go in it, okay? So tonight, let's look at week two here. Tonight, I want us to look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and this will be our scripture that we'll look at for the rest of the week, for the rest of the four weeks, for the next three weeks. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, no, I'm sorry, this is not the scripture, but we're going to look at the scripture right now. Spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. And the same spirit gives the great faith to another. And to someone else, to the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. So who gives the gifts? The spirit of God. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now these Right here in 1 Corinthians 12, we call these the um, we call these the spiritual gifts. Okay, and again, Chuck and Carrie did a great job in explaining those. I'm not going to go and explain each one of them. I'm just going to help you list them and give you some titles to go with those. Okay, so the first three we have is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. These are what we call the revelation gifts. Okay. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. These are revelation gifts. And again, these do not just function only in the, the confines of the church. These actually can function outside the church. And I think that's what Chuck and Carrie were trying to get across was, listen, you, as a believer, with the Spirit of God on the inside of you, have the ability to be able to have a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and be able to discern spirits. And again, if you want to get those, you can just go down to Amazing Grace Facebook page and um, find those where they taught on that. Then the next three, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. We call these the speaking gifts. Okay, these are the speaking gifts. Again, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. The next three are gifts of healing, working of miracles, and the gift of faith. These are the power gifts. These are power gifts. Gifts of healing, working of miracles, and the gift of faith. 
Okay, now let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. You'll have to look this one up. Ephesians chapter 4. Give me a second. My Bible's loading. Ephesians 4, verse 7. I'm going to be reading it out of the Amplified Translation because I like it. Okay. Actually, let's start in verse, verse 11. Verse 11, Ephesians 4, verse 11. And his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us. Now, again... Who gave these gifts? Jesus. Okay. Jesus gave these gifts to men, gave men to us. He appointed, he appointed. Now, anybody got the King James Version there or New King James or something else that said, uh, verse 11. Okay, stop right there. So he gave some. He gave some. He didn't give everybody. He gave some. Some translation says, and he called, or he appointed. He called, or he appointed, okay? So, again, let's go down through. He gave some to be apostles, special messengers, some prophets, some evangelists, some uh, pastors, and some teachers. So, we call these the fivefold gifts, and... It's really, it's really fun to kind of look at these and to look at them in this way. Now, the word gift here is the word dama or doma, and it's the gifts that are called of God. So, and again, now we are all called believers. We're all called to God. But in this, in this particular passage, these are gifts that these men or women have been called by God to do okay called by God to do so not everybody is a pastor you have got to know that you're called by God and you say yes to that to be a pastor everybody agree I mean you can disagree with me but that's fine but called by God not everybody is, is an apostle, and not everybody is an evangelist, although we all are to share the gospel. But with an evangelist, an evangelist has signs and wonders that follow them because signs and wonders are for the unbeliever, for them to see, oh, there is a God. I mean, if you've, if you've seen any of Jerry O'Dell's stuff, if you've watched any of T.L. Osborne, if you watch Reinhard Bonnke's uh, videos, you see that miracles are happening in masses and people are coming to Jesus because they're seeing miracles. They're seeing healings. I mean, eyes are popping in people's head, ears are opening up, limbs are growing, people are getting deathbed, people are rising from the dead. That's what follows a true evangelist. Okay? All right, great. So... Um, 
So the apostle, so let's go through this. The apostle, if you, if you hold up your hand, hold, everybody hold up your hand like this. All right. Here we have the apostle. Now the apostle can reach all five, can reach all the other four gifts. Okay. For example, this one here is the, is the um, prophet because he points. Okay. He gives direction. But he can't reach, he might reach the apostle, but he can't reach all the other four, all the other three, four, three. Okay, so the apostle reaches all four. So the apostle might start out as, and Pastor gets did such a great job on Sunday explaining where the word apostle came from. And again, you could go to Facebook and scroll down through there and listen to the sermon on Sunday. But the apostle comes in and they set up the authority of the church is what the apostle does. But in the meantime, they might come in and operate in the gift of the, of the evangelist because we need to get believers. People need to be healed. People need to be saved. We need to build up the church. And he also might operate in the gift of the pastor because the church that's being established needs a pastor. He also might need to operate in the gift of the prophet because he needs to prophesy and declare what the word of the Lord is saying for that church. And then he also operates in the gift of the teacher because he needs to bring doctrine to the church. So the apostle can, can actually function in all, in all, four, in all five, okay? The next one is the, is the prophet. And again, the prophet is the pointing finger because the prophet comes in and points out. Many years ago in Marietta, we had... Uh, Dr. Ed Dufresne, we've had him here, we've had him here a few times, but in Marietta, we had him come in, and we had just gone through, well, we were in the middle of hell in our church, and, and had just gotten into a building program, just had gotten into, um, we, 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 were, we were battle-torn, is what we were. We were just worn out. And we didn't tell him anything because we knew that he operated in the, in the function of the, apostle, of, the, of the prophet. So we didn't, we didn't want to sway him in any way. So we, we didn't tell him anything that was going on. And he comes in, and he, began, he doesn't really teach or talk to the people. He begins to speak to the heavenlies. He begins to speak to principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. And for, I don't, I don't know, I think we had him there for three days. And he began to prophesy and began to declare and began to take authority over all of this junk that we were dealing with. And then he had this intercessor come up. This, this little lady, she was about this tall, and she was an old lady. She was about this tall, and he had her come up, and she grabbed Pastor by the head, by the ears, and drug him all over the front of that church just praying in the Holy Ghost over, prophesying over him and declaring over him freedom and liberty. Now, that's a prophet. That's a prophet. And, you know, today, I mean, there are people that declare themselves to be prophets, but you don't see very many true prophets. We need the true prophets to stand up and start declaring and saying, this is what the Lord, word of the Lord is saying. And I like, I like how Brother... Uh, Brother uh, Mark, uh, Pastor Mark, Doc, Doc Barkley says it. He says, a prophet, he says, when things are going really well, they come in and say, you need to repent more. You need to, you need to work harder. You need to, but when things are, coming, are going really bad, they come and say, it's going to be okay. 
Everything's going to be all right. You're an overcomer. So, you know, so they, they know how to bring the word of the Lord, whether it's encouragement or rebuke. Okay, so then, then the long one, the middle finger is the longest. It, it reaches the furthest. It's the evangelist. Okay, we already talked about what they do. The, the, the pastor is the ring finger because they have the love for the church. They love, their, they love their church. They love their people. They love the sheep. And they'll protect the sheep. They'll do anything to protect the sheep. Okay? Then the pinky is the teacher because the pinky is the only one that can really get into the ear. That can really get into the ear because, because we need to hear what the word of the Lord is saying. And so the teacher brings solid doctrine, brings sound doctrine to the church. Okay? Does that help you understand? Now, we've talked about spiritual gifts, and we've talked about the five-fold, what we call the five-fold ministry gifts. And again, anybody can operate in the spiritual gifts as the Spirit wills. Not everybody can operate in the five-fold gifts. You have to be called by God to operate in the five-fold gifts. Okay? We're going to take about a 10-minute break, five-minute break, whatever, and then whenever we come back, we're going to talk about the motivational gifts, the next set of gifts, and what we're really here to talk about. Okay, but I just wanted to lay a foundation for you. Um, there is coffee and there is cookies in there in the conference room right over here. Just go over here through the store if you don't know where you're going. And um, offering, if you want to put your offering in, if you brought that for tonight, you can go ahead and just bring that forward. And we'll come back in about five to seven minutes. I think you guys can get your coffee and cookie by then good okay awesome all right let's uh get back we're going to um continue with talking about the motivational gifts now and if you'll turn with me to romans chapter 12 and we're going to look at romans chapter 12 verses 5 through 8 romans chapter 12 verses 5 through 8 and again remember we're talking about the body of Christ, that we are the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. And it's not that that Amazing Grace Church is the body of Christ. Amazing Grace Church is a part of the body of Christ. Uh, when we say the church, we're talking about the church as a whole. Because, listen, I can go out of here and go to a Baptist church, and I'm still part of the body of Christ. I can go from the Baptist church and go into a Catholic church and I'm still part of the body of Christ. I know people go, oh, no. Yes. Because if we are in Christ and if that church believes that, you see, we have to learn to agree on what we can't agree on. Okay? And we agree that Jesus is the Son of God and that God did raise him from the dead. Right? If that church believes that Jesus is the Son of God and that God did raise him from the dead, then we are part of the body of Christ together. So whenever we talk about the church, we're not just talking about amazing grace church. We're talking about the church as a whole, or as in, as in the creed would say, the universal church. Okay, the universal church. Not the Unitarian church, the universal church. Big difference. Okay. So we talk about the universal church, the church as a whole. We are part of the body of Christ, okay? So let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 5 through 8. So we, being many 
many are one body in Christ. Christ doesn't have many bodies. He has one body in Christ. And every one members one of another. Having then gifts deferring according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, and he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, and he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, so there are seven, there are seven motivational gifts listed here. And everybody has, everybody has a gift or two or three. Or you may at one time or another use one, all of them. Okay? And if my friend Mona were here, she would say, you never use the gift of mercy, Sharon. But I have been known to operate in the gift of mercy at times. I have been known <laughs> to operate. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for some heckling from the cheap sheet seats. So, okay, so let's list the let's list the seven motivational gifts: prophecy, ministry, which is serving, okay, the teacher, and again, we're going to talk about this. This is not the fivefold ministry gift teacher, okay, the exhorter, the giver or and the ruler leader or administrator and then the mercy motivator okay so tonight i want to um go over three of these tonight so the interesting aspect of the gifts is is that they all work hand in hand and you know and the interesting thing about the gifts motivational gifts spiritual gifts or fivefold gifts it's interesting to see that how each one of those um, work hand in hand with a motivational gift. For example, the pastor, which is the ring finger, loves his sheep, but he can so but he can have the motivational gift of exhortation. Exhortation is that you're an encourager. Uh, you know, if 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 you're if if you're in, and I, I know here at Amazing Grace Church, you have a pastor who has the motivational gift of exhortation. Because he's an encourager. He's going to encourage, he's encouraging to read the word, pray, read your Bible, pray every day, grow. I mean, what do you hear Pastor Jolliffe say all the time? Read your Bible, pray, grow. Read your Bible, pray, grow. Read your Bible, pray, grow, serve. Okay? That, that's what he's going to tell you. He's an encourager. Now, he'll, and he'll come at that from different aspects, and he'll come at it from different ways, and he will encourage you however he can, to do that, okay? Read your Bible, pray, grow, serve, okay? But he's also, he operates also in the gift of leadership, okay? And we'll talk about that one next week, okay? And he also operates in the gift of teacher. So he, he has at least three of these motivational gifts in operation. You're going to find... At the end of these four weeks, whenever we do the motivational survey, that you're going to have three major ones that are going to stick out to you. Okay? So, let's talk about the prophecy. 
the prophecy one. Now again, this one is not, this is not the spiritual gift of prophesying. This is not a thus saith the Lord gift. You know, people who stand up and prophesy, they usually say, the Lord would say unto you today, thus saith the Lord, I, I feel the Lord is saying, okay, so that, this, that is not this gift, okay? This motivational gift of, of prophecy is, and you can see your sheet, your one sheet that you have there that has the different symbols, okay? This one right here, you can take notes all over that. The prophecy gift is they like to see things black and white. I'm losing my tags here. They see things in black and white, okay? We talk about these are gift bags, so we're going to, we're going to deposit these little um, characteristics of motivational gifts. So they are able to see. They can see black and white. They can see. They're able to discern. They're able to come into a room and go, this room, there's people in this room that are in sin. There's people in this room that are not living right. There's people in this room. So they have that gift. They're able to see. They're able to see. The other thing that they like to do, they desire fruit. They desire for you to produce fruit. So they come in and they're able to see, okay, you know, Tina, I want you to grow spiritually. I really want you to grow spiritually, but I see in your life that this and this and this, okay? So they, and the reason why they, the reason why they tell you those things or the reason why they declare those things to you is because they want you to produce. So they're pointing it out to you. They're declaring it to you. They're pointing it out to you because they want you to grow fruit, okay? The other thing is, is that they want you to have a relationship with God. That's what they want. That's their heart's desire is that they want you to have, and you cannot, remember, Sin separates us from God. Disobedience is sin, and it separates us from God. So if we're separated from God, we can't have a relationship with God. So they want you to have a relationship with God. These are gifts that are inside of a person who operates in the motivational gift of prophecy. Now let's talk about, remember we talked about that we have the flesh, the unregenerated. That's, that's the flesh. That's the outward person. That's the outward part of us. That's, that's not the inward part of us. That's the outward part of us. And that, so one of the things that a prophecy-motivated person can use is manipulation. They'll use manipulation to get you to repent. And they'll use it to the bad, not for the good. Okay? They will guilt you into repentance. The scripture tells us it's, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. It's not the guilt of God. It's not the condemnation of God. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. They can be, they, people who have the motivational gift can, if, if, it's, if they haven't learned how to control it, they can operate in anger. They can operate in anger. You know, they can come into a room and go, why don't, y'all are going to hell. You're all condemned. You're all going to hell. You know, this, this place is just doomed, you know. And so 
if they don't learn how to temper that and how to bring that under the control of the spirit, they can come across as very angry. And then the other, and along with that then, is that they come across as hatred. You know, now they may not mean to, okay? They may not mean to, but, but, that's, but that's kind of what they come across as. Excuse me, I need to find my other sheet here. There we go. Okay. So we call them, we call the prophecy motivated gift, um, you know, they're the seer. They can see if they're a watchdog. Okay. They're a watchdog. They warn people of sin. They reveal sin. Um, again, they see black and white. They stress uh, spirituality in others, intimacy with God. They look for outward proof of spirituality. Okay. They're looking for outward fruit of spirituality. Now, the backside of that is if, is if you know, um, for example, I, I don't rate high on that, but I do have a motivational gift of prophecy. And my big thing, if there aren't any tears, then there was no repentance. Now, that's not true, but I can lean into that. You know, I can lean into that, that if I don't see tears, and if, if there's tears, if there's crying at the altar, we had a great service. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. God moved because there was repentance because people were crying at the altar. Okay, so, but that's not always true. There can be repentance without tears. There can be repentance of joy. You know, you can repent and, and be joyful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, so, so we have to really watch that. So um, their frankness can be viewed as harshness or lack of, lack of love. They're misunderstood. They can be prickly personality, like hugging a cactus. Um, as hard time, as hard time, has a hard time developing close relationships and, and intimacy with others. They have a tendency to spiritualize everything. Okay, they have a tendency to spiritualize everything. They desire to see results. Um, desire the desire to see results may cause him to become manipulative using gimmicks. Um, strict standards may be interpreted as legalism. Okay? So let's talk about some people in the scripture that operated in the motivational gift of prophecy. John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Repent. What did he say? Repent, repent, repent. Okay? Noah. Noah had the gift of motivational gift of prophecy. Okay? Ezekiel was another one. Jonah was another one. Okay? So now let's talk about areas that where, okay, so where do we use a prophecy motive? I mean, who wants to be around a prophecy-motivated person? Well, you do whenever you know that that person has, you know, again, you know, we have the good side and then we have the bad side. And, we, and listen, they all have a downside. But whenever we allow the ministry, whenever we allow the fruit of the Spirit to operate in our lives and we say yes to the fruit of the Spirit, even though I might be prophecy motivated and even though I could come across prickly and hard and mean and, and, and not loving, that's not what I want to portray. I want to portray the love of Jesus, even whenever I see sin. Because, again, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So I have to really rely 
on the, on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. Now, I have one of my children that I really operate in the motivational gift of, of prophecy with. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> um, no, they are not. They are not here. And he's not doing video, so, um, and it's not, and it's not a boy, but she can yank my chain. And I remember one time, you know, and, and of course, you know, she drifted from God and was doing her thing and, and, oh my gosh, I was just so angry at this kid and just, you know, so all of my prayers were out of anger, you know, out of frustration. They weren't out of grace and out of love. You know, they were all out of anger and out of, and I was just prophesying and declaring and just calling things out and, you know, yeah, you know. And so one day I, ha I needed to spend some time with her and I, I just, not that I dreaded it, but I'm just like, God, I'm tired of being that person that, you know, they shut down. Because if you're around, you know, listen, you can tell whenever you push somebody too far, they shut down. They, you know, you look at them, you go, hello. They're not there. And that's what I would do to her. She, I, she would just shut down on me. And I thought, well, what good is that? If she's not listening to me. What am I wasting my breath for? And so I was like, God, I just, I just need, I, Father, I declare as I'm going to go see her today that, the, that the, I operate in the gifts of the Spirit today. I operate in the word of knowledge, discerning the spirits, the word of wisdom. I declare in Jesus' name, I, and, and I heard God distinctly say to me, uh, you don't need the gifts of the Spirit. You need the fruit of the Spirit. And I went, oh, really? And he said, yes, you need to operate in love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, patience. You need to operate in that. And I said, oh, oh, you're right. Okay, Father, I'm, I'm leaning into the fruit of the Spirit today. I need those to manifest in my life today. And we had one of the best conversations we've had in years. And it was at that point that we began to see change come. And it, it wasn't because she, I mean, she changed, but it was because I started praying differently and started operating out of a gift of love versus out of, harshness and hatred toward the sin. I began to love the sinner, not hate the sinner. And sometimes we have to really watch that we don't hate the sinner because of the sin. We need to love the sinner. Does that make sense? Okay, maybe you're dealing with somebody like that in your own life, and you're like, oh, that's, that's why things aren't moving here. Lean into the fruit of the Spirit. All right. So um, it's really interesting, too, that as we look at here, and I'd never noticed this before until I was reading down through here, but as we go through these scriptures, if you go down to verse uh, 9 of chapter 12, he says there, let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what is evil, okay? So remember the prophecy motivated person hates what is evil. They hate it with passion. Hate what is evil, loathe ungodliness, and turn in horror from wickedness, but hold fast to that which is good. So this scripture right here is for the prophecy-motivated person. Okay? 
All right, let's go on to the next one. The next one is our server, our serving. Okay, now the serving, um, the serving motivated person, their whole thing is, is that they do kind, they have kindness in action. They have kindness in action. They're all about doing, they're all about the work. They're all about doing. They're all, they see a need, they're going to fill it. They're going to, they see a need, they're going to, you know, all oh, the windows need to be done, we're going to do the windows. All the walls need to be painted, we're going to paint the, the walls, okay? They're given to detail, okay? They're, they're very detail-oriented people, okay? And then the last thing, I mean, this isn't the last thing, but I kind of took all of their characteristics and lumped them into three. They're intuitive, they're intuitive to the needs of others. In other words, they can walk into the room and go, how can I help you? I sense that you have a need. You know, the, now they're not givers, but they can walk into a room. For example, Kathy could be in the back classroom working, um, setting things up before church, and a server could walk back there and go, Grandma Kathy, I got this. You go do something else. I can set this up for you. Okay, so that's a servant. Okay. Now, these are gifts on the inside of us. Now, what the flesh wants to do in a server is they become very selfish. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look how hard I'm working. See how much I did? I'm the one that painted that wall. Okay, so they can become very selfish. Um, they can become resentful because everybody else isn't doing it either. Nobody else is doing it. Why aren't, you know, we could call a work day and you might have three servers show up to work. And they'll all sit around and go, where's the rest of the church? Why isn't the rest of the church here painting? Why aren't, why aren't you know, why aren't they here painting? Why isn't anybody else out, out here mowing the lawn? Why isn't anybody else here vacuuming? Why isn't anybody else, you know, doing what, what we need to have done? Where's everybody else? And so they get resentful towards that the prophecy-motivated people didn't come. And would you really want a prophecy-motivated person working along the side of the server? <laughs> Calling things that be not as though they were or are, you know? Although they, we need to learn to work together. But if we haven't tempered it, then, you know, you want your servers to work in the serving, okay? The other thing is that they have a hatred of those um, who get in the way. Okay, so on one hand, they resent those that aren't, but on the other hand, they resent those who get in the way. In other words, you know, if pastor gives the directive, this is what we want done, and the server sits out there and goes, there's a better way of doing it, but that's not how pastor wants it done, the server can become resentful towards that, towards the pastor, because who does he think he is? So they have to be very careful with that, okay? So here's some other attributes. Um, they generally have good character. They get things done. They're not a procrastinator, okay? And, you know, those of you that know Jim and Connie in the church here at Amazing Grace Church, those two, both of them have the motivational gift of serving. And unless you're ready for it to be done, you don't give it to them. Because they're going to run with it. They're going to take it up. They're going to go with it. They're going to get it done. If you want it done yesterday, 
you give it to them because they're going to get it done, okay? They don't mind hard work, inconvenience, or weariness. Um, they're alert to practical needs, notices them frequently. They will use, they will use the personal funds items if needed um, to meet the practical need. They're involved in lots of activities, volunteers a lot. Um, enjoy short-term goals and assignments. Okay, so don't give them the long-term vision because they, they can't handle it. Give them the short-term vision, okay? Um, they're willing to do hidden things, dirty work, uh, very valuable, uh, keep, keeps things running smoothly. They're, they have the ability to um, remember uh, practical systems, likes and dislikes of people so that they can do a better job, okay? They, um, so here's, again, their, their possible problems that they have. They appear pushy because of a strong desire to get the job done, okay? Um, they can get out of sync with leadership if not careful. Uh, can't say no, may become overextended. Need sincere appreciation at times or their feelings get hurt. If you want to make a server just float, tell them how much you appreciate them. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for serving. Thank you so much for doing that for us. Wow, that looks great. That's awesome. You just made their boat float. Okay? Um, they can easily get frustrated with non-servers. We said that. Um, they might do a job independently to avoid red tape and not flow well with the body. And we, we've had some, some, in, some in the church, not just here, but also in our other church that we pastored, that um, we just knew that if we needed to give them a job that they could work alone because if you put them with somebody else it just wasn't gonna it wasn't a good fix but they but we also knew that that was their gifting was to be able to serve that's where that's where they served at you know I mean that's what they did that was their gifting so they wanted to use their gifting but we just knew don't put don't put anybody else with them because it's just going to frustrate the grace of God in their life, okay? And again, that's, you know, they need to learn how to overcome that with the fruit of the Spirit, all right? All right, so who were, who were servers in the Bible? Martha, Mary and Martha. Remember Mary and Martha in the Bible? Martha was the server. Ruth, now the Old Testament. Modern-day Sister Teresa. And, of course, I already mentioned Connie and, and Jim, and we've had several, I mean, okay, prime example tonight. Right off, the, right off the hot press. I used the I used the markers, left one unlocked. It was driving Linda crazy the whole time until we took the break. She ran right up here, put the thing together. You know, she said it was bugging me the whole time. She has the gift of serving. Okay, Not, and nothing wrong with that. I appreciated it because I probably would have left it off until, and then it would have just dried up and would have just wasted away. But she saw a need, and she wanted to meet it. She wanted to serve in that area, okay? All right, let's go on to the teacher, the teaching. Now, again, this is not the teacher called of God. The teacher called of God lays doctrine, brings doctrine to the church, okay? This teacher, this teaching gift, they are all about the accuracy of the word. They desire accuracy. If somebody's up here teaching, they want to know 
that it's accurate, okay? They want to know that they have a passion for the word, and they want to know that the word of God is foundational, okay? So this is one of my strong motivational gifts also is the teacher. Um, I have, I'm called to teach, but I also have the motivational gift of teacher. So when people are up here teaching, and, okay, for example, a couple weeks ago we had, um, uh, what was his name? Dave Williams in, and he used a couple of words. Um, what were they, honey? Dogma, dogma, dos, dox, doxy. What was the first one, honey? Orthodoxy. orthodoxy. I'm like, what is orthodoxy? So thank God we have modern technology. I got out my iPad and I started Googling orthodoxy. And, of course, I found out, you know what? He's teaching it right. Because that would have bugged me the whole time. What's he teaching? Where did that come from? Is that heresy? Okay. So I made sure that what he was teaching was accurate. So I do that all the time. I'm all the time looking up things, as, even as pastor's teaching. And I know the man. But I'll look it up for myself to know that I know that I know that I know that it's accurate. Okay? And we've had people... So, I mean, not that they were teaching heresy, but I'm like, okay, that's not, that's not quite right. That's not quite right. And it'll bug me. It affects me. It just really, really affects, affects how I then view their teaching, you know, their presenting. Now, not all motivational teachers, not all mo people with a motivational of teaching are teachers. Okay, they don't necessarily have a pulpit ministry or do they, are they in the back classroom? And we've had people take survey and they go, oh, motivational gift of teaching didn't even, it's not even on the radar for me. And I'm in the back classrooms teaching kids. So it's okay. What is on your radar? Mercy. Well, there you go. Or serving. There you go. Exhortation. There you go. So let's look at some of the other things um, that, so we're going to put these gifts on the inside of the teacher. Um, Let's look at some other things, characteristics of the teacher. Um, they contend for Bible accuracy. They're Bible-centered measures. Everything by the word. Studious, scholarly approach to the Christian life. Um, they test the experiences of self and others by scriptural precedence. Maintains biblical balance in the body of Christ. Um, they test, examines the knowledge of those who teach them. Um, they avoid, avoids illustrate. now this is not me, avoids illustrations and stories from non-biblical sources, emphasizes accuracy. I always like to use some kind of biblical, you know, some kind of illustration that people can relate to, you know. So, um, enjoys researching as much as presenting the lesson, presents truth in systematic sequence, easy to take notes from their teaching. Um, dislikes taking scripture out of context, feels contextual accuracy imperative to proper handling of the word. Now, this, these are some problems that we have. They can appear to be more dependent on intellect than the Holy Spirit. Okay? And pr that's probably one of the hardest things I deal with in teaching is, is that I know the Holy Spirit's leading, but I got my notes and I studied and I studied it out and the Holy Spirit's saying, Go this way. Go this way. Yeah, but I got my notes. 
you know, so I have to really, I have to really lean into the Holy Spirit. Emphasis on accuracy of information may appear to be the neglect of practical application. Gives a lot of details that may seem unnecessary to listeners. Um, tends to have a hard time with ex experiential aspects of Christianity. Can appear prideful, aloof, lacking warmth at times, and can come across too mechanical and not spiritual enough. So, you know, fortunately, my dominant is the exhorter. So my wanting to encourage people but, you know, outweighs the teacher in me. So, but at the same time, my encouragement is going to be based on the word. But I will give you practical application along with the word. Okay? We, we have had um, people in the church that their, their calling was a teacher, their motivational gift was a teacher, and they were, I mean, and they were accurate in their teaching. Biblically, they were right. Um, doctrine, they were okay. But, man, there was never any practical application. And all of this information upon information upon information upon information, and you're like, okay, so now what am I supposed to do with that? And they never told you what to do with it. They just gave you information. And so that can, get, that can get really heavy for people. And so as a teacher, as a person who has the motivational gift of teaching, we have to lean into, again, the gifts of the Spirit. We have to lean into the fruit of the Spirit to understand that we need to have those. We need to balance those out. We need to give practical application. We need to be able to relate to people. We need to be able to help them understand. Even if I'm... You know, and, and again, you're like, well, yeah, but I don't have a teaching. I'm not a teacher. Even if you're doing a Bible study with people, you can have this gift, this motivational gift, and what you probably do because you're researching, you're digging it out. you got to be really careful that you're leaning into the fruit of the Spirit and you're leaning into the gifts of the Spirit and allow those things. Yes, educate yourself. Yes, feed your spirit. Yes, know, know your stuff. But then trust the Holy Spirit to be able to teach and to be able to help you to teach. Let me give you an example. Uh, a couple years ago, I started going down to Mustard Seed Homeless Shelter for women down in Saginaw. And each month I would take a different topic and we would cover it and I mean these are really some hardcore ladies who you look at them they've been through life and you can tell by looking at their face that they have lived life and they've lived life hard not all of them were believers when they first sat down with me and I didn't really push that I really uh, you know I but I did my studying I did my research I did what I needed to do for that particular topic that I was covering um, and you know, and so I would lean into the fruit of the Spirit and lean into the gifts of the Spirit and just say, God, okay, I've studied. Now I'm just, depending on you, I'm asking you to somehow work this. So it was around Christmas time, and we were talking about, Ad, we were talking about um, Advent. Is that the Christmas one? Yeah, Advent. And... Um, 
so we were i took the scripture out of isaiah that says that that covers the name of names of christ his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and prince of peace so this particular day i decided to take and i'd done all my research and studied and i had my particular lesson i think actually that day was um that he was the father god to them a lot of them didn't have fathers were, were raised without fathers so we were really focusing on the love of the father and I had made oversized snowflake sugar cookies. And I don't know if you know anything about snowflakes, but you've probably heard that no snowflake is the same. They're all different, just like your fingerprints. There's nobody in, in the world that has the same fingerprints as you. Well, my cookies, <laughs> snowflake cookies, they all look different. Even though I use the same stamp and the same the same cutout, the same sugar cookie recipe, the same icing, they all turned out differently. So I'm driving down the road, and I'm just praying, and I say, God, I'm just, I'm just asking you today that you just step in. I'm leaning into you today. And I heard the Father God say, I want you to personally hand each girl, each woman, a sugar cookie. And I want you to tell them that they are uniquely made that this sugar cookie represents their life, represents who they are, represents how I see them, that they're different than everybody else, but that's okay because I've created them and I love them for who they are and for the gifts that I put on the inside. And I said, oh, God, that's good. That's awesome. And, I, you know, I mean, that wasn't me. I, did a, I had a whole teaching ready to give. But he took what I had studied, and he took the sugar cookies, and we, we, came, we came together. And I began to hand out those cookies to each one of those ladies. Tears began to flow on those girls' face. And the hardest of the hardest even began to cry. And we had a love session that day from the Father. We had a time that we could just look at each other. They could look at each other. And they could see each other differently because of what the Spirit was doing in their life. Now, that's the motivational gift of a teacher who is leaning into the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? Let's stand. Maybe tonight out of just these three, you're going, oh, yeah, that's me. And you might be looking at some of them, and you're going, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, those, those, that flesh side, yep, that's me, that's me, that's me. And I just want to encourage you tonight that, you know, God reveals to us where we are and who we are. And he does that for a reason, so that we can work on it. Not that, so that we can stand with our fists by our side and go, yep, that's who I am. But he talks about there in Romans chapter 8 that we would be transformed. Trans mean, meaning that we're going, there's a change that's taking place. There's a change that's happening. And so maybe out of these three tonight, you, you found your motivational gift. 
and you're looking at the stickers on the outside and you're hearing all the other bad things, don't focus on the bad. Focus on the good. And when God reveals to you, okay, this is a prickly thing, then lean into the Holy Spirit and lean into the fruit of the Spirit and let him help you with those. Father God, tonight as we close, Lord, I thank you for, again, for what you're doing in this room. And I thank you, Father, for the revelation that you're giving to them, Lord. I thank you that as they take this information and study it, ponder on it, think about it, Lord, um, I thank you that you are revealing to them. And, Lord, that by your Spirit, Holy Spirit, reveal, work, change. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so next week we're going to be talking about the giver.